What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of the Antlera Podcast. We are on episode 72. On today's episode, Dimitri and I sit down and have a conversation with Laven of Shrewd Archery. We talked to Laven about how Shrewd Archery has been able to bring high-end target archery gear into the hunting world. We dive into trends, shooting, and a little bit of everything else in this episode. So sit back and enjoy it and antler up. Before we get into this episode, I want to thank our partners over at Onyx. Onyx hunting app is the number one hunting app that you can download. Whether you are dropping waypoints, tracking, seeing the distance between bedding to a food source, Onyx has everything and more to have you covered. Also, don't forget when you sign up for the elite membership, you get exclusive benefits from Top Rut, Exomount Gear, Vortex, and a whole lot more. So go download the Onyx hunting app at onyxmaps.com. Also, 3D season is upon us. Total archery challenges are going to be in high gear soon. Before you know it, it will be hunting season. Now is the time to put your order in for a new set of strings on your bow. If you are in need of a new set, we trust America's Best Bow Strings. We have a set of our Platinum Series strings on all of our bows. We love the quality and performance. Hand-built in the USA since 2006. So go create a custom set today over at americasbestbowstrings.com. Thanks again, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, Antler Up. All right, man. Well, we're live, and we have Laven Newsom on Shrewd Archery. Vice President, man, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking the time to come on this Wednesday evening. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I appreciate you all having me. Awesome. It's, uh, it's, it's good to be on with you guys. Thank you so much. Well, dude, I, I think without further ado, you know, why don't you dive into what your role is and maybe how you got started uh, in your position? Go from there. Yeah. So um, we, the Shrewd Archery has been, we've been around since like the nineties and kind of before that, the, the Damon company is like our overarching um, kind of big brand. So that's our, our machine shop. Uh, we have a couple of different divisions and we've been around for over 50 years. Um, and my, so my grandfather started it back in 1964. So we're on the third generation now. And it's, it's, you know, to get into it, it I never really got out of it, I guess, you know, when you grow up in a family business, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's, it's kind of all there is. Um, you know, my, my grandfather was, he passed away when he was 98 and he was at work two weeks before he died. So, you know, he was, he was always in it and we moved down here and my dad was working and, um, you know, it was just something that my brother and I both were exposed to from like a very early age. So we were on company payroll, probably building stuff under the table when we were little <laughs> kids, probably violated some labor laws there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I graduated college and did a few things and, um, moved back home and was kind of between things, kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and start going in just to help. And, uh, Sam and Damon, my parents are on the road a lot, uh, just traveling tournaments and doing things like that. And you know, things popped up that, need to be done. And I was the only Newsome in the building. And so it kind of fell to me and my role kind of grew from there. That's pretty neat now. So archery has been, you know, a part of your life pretty much. And, uh, since the beginning, uh, is that something where you gravitated towards or it, like, just because it was put like in front of you like that, or did you maybe go a different path and come back around? Like, how did that work out? Like, do you enjoy shooting and all that stuff? Yeah, definitely. We, we always had bows, you know, growing up, you know, I remember my dad had a, he still has it a gold it's an ugly bow but he had a gold bright gold c4 that was always around and you know we always had bows and uh we always had like shooter jerseys and stuff like that i i played a, a few other different sports and you know we always had targets in the backyard and we'd go shoot it was never something that i was like super passionate about i guess growing up you know we were always in the other things nice um and it, you know it was something my dad didn't you know he came home and he he did either machining or talk to archery all day. He didn't really want to come home and then necessarily get into it and talk archery more. So, uh, it wasn't something that was necessarily like a huge part of our lives in terms of like day-to-day -day activity. But, uh, as the company grew and as the traveling intensified and, and the brand grew in general, we, you know, we're into it more and more and more. We, a year or two ago, built a big indoor range at work that's open to all employees. So, you know, we can all go up there on breaks or after work and shoot. So, uh, in terms of shooting, you know, I've never shot more than probably in the last, uh, especially with COVID, you know, the last like 12 to 18 months. Yeah. It's you're up there a lot, but, um, yeah, it's, it's something we've always been around, not necessarily always been, um, in terms of like an athletic endeavor or a tremendous passion, but more so as we've gotten older. 
Right, man. Well, what other sports did you play growing up then? I was into pretty much anything that involved running around and chasing some sort of ball. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I played, I played soccer and tennis. I got uh, soccer and tennis as I got older in high school. Um, but my buddy, we, we were big in a mountain bike and we skied a lot, anything outside we were always doing. Um, so now how about your hunting tradition growing up with your family kind of being involved with the business aspect? How was that growing up? It was really pretty minimal. We've, we started as a target company. So, um, the Damon company has always been the Damon company against our parent company. It's, it's, it's always been a, a family affair. Our, every employee gets a key to the building so they can come and go and we call it government work. So any of our manual mills, manual ways that aren't running production, the employees can come in and they can work on whatever their project may be. And we happen to have a lot of archers, specifically target archers that were working at the time and they were making grips and a few other things. And that's where Shrewd kind of grew out of is, you know, the employees were making things for themselves and we were looking and we're like, Hey, we can really sell this. Um, and it was, it was really target. So for us, it, there wasn't a tremendous amount of hunting because Shrewd's emphasis from day one has always been a, a focus on target archery, which differentiates us from a lot of companies because of that. And, um, we made hunting products from the beginning. It was more, you know, I really think we made them so the guys in the shop could, could get free stabilizers and go outside and shoot with them. Um, <laughs> And in the last couple of years, you know, hunting's become a, you know, it's, it's always been less than 5% of overall business. And, you know, as it's, as it's grown and especially in the last two or three years, you know, we've seen a huge increase. Um, so, so growing up, it was, it was going to tournaments a lot. I mean, my parents always had an RV and we were going to the ASAs, you know, we were at tournaments a lot. Um, it was less hunting more at a lot of target competitions. That's pretty cool. Cause I, I mean, we could dive into that, but, you know, just briefly go over, you know, some of the products, I mean, I don't want to just say, oh, grips and scopes and, uh, you know, stabilizers, obviously. But, you know, is there anything else or things that you really want to make sure that, that you include? You, you you talk to everybody at Shreve would probably give you a different answer to that. In <laughs> terms of in terms of a product catalog, you know, we probably have one of the more diverse product options in the industry. Um and a lot of that comes from our kind of approach to building products. So we're not in box stores. Um, you know, we're not owned by some conglomerate. It's there's, there's four newsomes and there's 26 other employees and everybody has a, a share and what do we want to make? And so, you know, we're less focused on like, can we get this in the Bass pro and more hey, is this something that can really help archers? Can we do this better? Um, so, you know, our product line, it's, you can pretty much pick up a compound or recurve bow and we probably make, anything that you need for it, you know, outside of arrows and sights, we pretty much make everything on a bow. Um, so, you know, recently we're, we're pretty proud of a few things we've come out with, you know, our Atlas V bar and the vantage stabilizers the last year or two, as you guys spoke about earlier, you know, it's been really cool to see those grow. We've always thought we made pretty awesome hunting bars and to really see the industry take note and to see those sales pick up. has been really great. Well, actually let's dive into that. Just, I mean, we could go squirrel here a little bit, that Atlas V bar, just because I'm holding it here in my hands. You know, this is something I'm going to put on my, my prime Nexus four. Talk a little bit about like what this is, I guess, and why someone would want this on either a hunting bow or uh, their target bow. Yeah. So we had a V bar. We've, we've made V bars for years. Um, and again, I mean, to, to kind of take a step back into our design approach and, you know, our, again, our emphasis as a company is, I don't want to say our emphasis, our primary focus from an R and D perspective is on archery and or is on target archery. And then anything that we develop for the target world, it, it, that technology trickles into our hunting products. So some companies, you know, approach that kind of differently. I think if you look at, you know, your Matthews and your Hoyts, if you look at their target bows and then you kind of see what comes out in the hunting bow in the next six to 12 months, you see some of that. And we're right there with them in terms of that, you know, we, we develop target products and then we scale that down to fit in like a small hunting platform. Right. Um, so the Atlas is for, for a hunting application, a lot of ways it's ever built, you know, that was built. We, there's target guys now that are running a 30 inch bar with 30 ounces off the front and 40 or 50 ounces off the back. And, a lot of V bars, if you're just running like a standard cone or taper system, it's over time, you're going to get wear moving that in and out. So the Atlas for us was, Hey, we need to have something that's rock solid that archers aren't going to have an issue with. And if it'll work in the target world, then it's definitely going to work in the hunting world. So we wanted it small. We wanted it compact. And we, we added a really 
a few really cool things in there um, that make it so it's just rock solid. And, you know, you can be crawling through brush or banging it against a tree as you pull it up. And it's, you know, those stabilizers aren't going to move. It's going to stay right there with you. Awesome, man. Well, I, I always wonder, because I haven't dabbled into the target archery world and Dimitri hasn't either. Do you have, and this could go again for both worlds as, you know, target or hunting. Is there some type of like magic formula to determine, you know, your total setup and like for weight combo and does it differ from bow to bow and, you know, draw weight and draw length, all that type of stuff. I wish there was, <laughs> we've been, uh, we've been short staffed and just slammed the last couple of months. So I, I, I've actually like the, if you email orders at shootarcher.com, I've been managing that account the last couple of weeks and I'm on the phones a fair amount. So, you know, that's a question that we get asked daily. You know, I'm probably, I talk to somebody about something like that for at least an hour every day. So I wish, you know, I wish there was some like magical system and it's one of those things you could ask 10 different people and get eight different answers. So there's not a, there's not a true right or wrong. Our, our thing is always, there's, there's a general guideline that works for the majority of people. And you can kind of go from there. Um, but it, you know, it depends on your weight, you know, it depends on your stabilizer length. It depends on, on how you hold the bow or, or what bow you have. Um, so it's, it's really tough, you know, with, with weight, we typically say two to one. So for every two ounces on the back, you want one out the front and we always try to get people to, to tear it down and eliminating variables is really like your number one job. So when we put anything on a bow or when we advise anybody, when they're putting something on a bow, it's take all your weight off, you know, minimize all your angles, get everything coming pretty parallel and then kind of adjust from there. So if you go in with some weight already on there, you don't know if, if, Hey, is this is actually working or maybe we're masking a problem. Um, so take it down to the basics and start with nothing and kind of build up from there is always our suggestion. Nice. Well, I think even if you think about target archery versus hunting, I mean, there's so many parallels that, that make them similar, right? You know, the objective of target archery and hunting is to be the most accurate that you can be, right? So I think that's why you're seeing some of these technologies being integrated from target into the hunting world. There's probably some obvious differences between the two, um, but in the long scheme of things, you, you look a lot of the, the hunting, what you would consider the hunting bows. I mean, a lot of that technology looks more like a target bow than it, than it does, you know, the older compound styles. Yeah. I mean, to, to break it down in its most like simplistic form at, at full draw, you want your pen as steady as possible. And whether that's target or whether that's hunting, you know, it's, it's the same principle behind it. Um, you know, when you go out and you shoot Vegas and you want to shoot a 900, you have to shoot in a tiny little circle, the exact same place, you know, three days in a row with all that pressure on you. And it, you know, the same kind of idea applies to hunting. If you're out in your dream hunt in Colorado and you're going after a big old elk and your heart's pounding, you want that pen to, to sit as steady as the bow can possibly make it. Um, and that's, that's the goal of any product is, is you want to balance that bow and make the equipment work the best way it can. We have a, a friend of mine, of ours that, uh, his name's Jamie, runs Keystone Precision Archery, and he has a prime, and Dimitri and I are both shooting primes as well. We All three of us have a Nexus 4, and uh, I got a chance to see his bow over the weekend, and he he has the Atlas V-Bar on it, and he has some uh, back weight on it, and I was like, you know what? Because he was, he was watching me shoot, he's like, dude, uh, pretty good, but I think if you added that little bit of weight in the back, I think you could be you know a little bit more steady at, at full draw, like you were saying, and that's why I said, well, we have TAC coming up in two weeks and you had them in stock. So <laughs> that's why I ended up doing that. So, uh, yeah, man, I, th I think it's, you know, like you're saying, whether it's uh, in the hunting woods or out, you know, shooting 3D or being more competitive on the target side, it's, you know, that's what you want. And that's going to, if that's going to help people eliminate mind games while you're at full draw and eliminate bad habits, then uh, why, why not give it a go? Right. Yeah. I mean, in general, as like humans, we, shoot ourselves in the foot enough just going about <laughs> everything so if the equipment's gonna not help you it, it you know at that point we're all screwed so um yeah make, the biggest making the equipment work for you and a lot of archery weirdly enough is you know what works great like i said earlier works great for somebody you know could be the worst advice in the world so you know we always tell everybody if if running it off a weird way or running weird lengths works well for you like don't let anybody tell you not because if your scores are good then ultimately that's all that matters now, why don't you talk a little bit, maybe more on the hunting aspect than the, than the target, you know, because 
a lot of questions I'm sure that you get and, and other people have is, you know, what size stabilizer do I go with? You know, cause you have various ranges, uh, available to people. And, and I think if you're not into that target where you're kind of familiar with stabilizers lengths and how that affects the bow, you know, what should people kind of consider when, when they're purchasing a stabilizer of how well that's going to balance their bow versus is it a shorter one going to be just as effective if they're battling with uh, a blind or, or limbs up in the stand? Can you kind of discuss how someone should go through that thought process? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot of factors that play into that. You know, it's from a, from an interest perspective, you know, is it something that you're just going to slap on a bow and just shoot in a stand a couple of times a year? Is it going to be something you really think you're going to get into? And then obviously, you know, the, the type of hunting that you're doing is if you're in some big tree stand and you have plenty of room, you know, you're not worried about things getting tangled. Obviously we'd probably recommend a different setup. Um, we do seven inches, nine inches and 12 inches. Um, to be honest, we, I can't tell you exactly why from when I started, that's what we were selling. And so I've kind of continued that, um, there's in ASA and IBO, there's, there's regulations for how long the stabilizers can be in certain classes. And that a lot of ways helps you keep under that. So like 12 inches in the max. So we go out to 12 because you could, you could still use it there. Um, you know, your, your average Joe that is getting into it and isn't sure how much he's going to shoot and wants his bow to be a little bit more nimble, you know, and a nine out the front and a seven out the back is definitely our most popular setup. Um, anything you buy from us, it's, it's always adjustable. So you get, you know, a two and a half inch thread of rod and you get two one ounce weights and you can add, you know, we sell our weights in one, two, three, and four ounce increments. So, you know, it's a really good base platform. It gives you a lot of options for adjustment. It's not too long where you're going to get tangled and it's simplistic in a lot of ways. So, you know, it's, you don't have something really long out the front, which is going to make it a little bit more difficult to balance. And then it, it gives you room to grow as an archer. So if you get more serious and you're worried about accuracy, you know, you can go to a longer stabilizer. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you can chuck in the back of your truck. You don't have to worry about it hitting anything or like kind of moving around like that. And in general, it's really interesting. You know, you see different trends and trends come and go. And um, we're selling more 12 inch stabilizers than we ever have. So um, in general, I think people are going longer. And I, I think there's a couple of different things that play into that. Our equipment is, is never the cheapest. So it's, you know, you're not going to the best pro and coming out of the street stabilizer for like 40 bucks. We, uh, we machine everything in house. It's, it's, it's high quality carbon. It's high modulus carbon. You know, everything that goes in our components is, is expensive. So our products are more expensive and typically if you're spending more money, you're more serious about it. And so I think a longer length stabilizer means it's probably more serious archer and they're, they're either coming from the target world or they're kind of getting into that. And naturally you're going to want to go longer because it's easier to balance the bow and you can get more adjustment out of it. Um, but our, you know, our go-to what we sell the most, definitely seven or nine, um, or even just one, you know, a lot of people are just running run off the front. So a seven inch off the front is always a great starting point. Now, do you think, uh, with, with the length, maybe 12 inches is going with a lot of the Western hunters and, and maybe the, the seven or nines, a little more of the whitetail woods, or do you think it, you know, people are, it just doesn't matter to them and they're just going, what's more comfortable. I couldn't tell you from a, like a location standpoint. I mean, in my mind, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Like you're your longer is probably going to be your whitetail guys and out West they're, they're going to want it a little shorter, but then, you know, you go shoot a lot of the, the tax out West, you know, we're at, um, a fair amount of those in Utah and you get a lot of guys running longer stabilizers. I think you see guys on YouTube and in general, you, you see the result that people that have longer stabilizers and you know, ultimately three inches running around with it, you know, get in the woods, crawling around it. It's not a huge deal. And from a performance perspective, you know, three inches makes a pretty big difference. So I think, you know, that sacrifice to a lot of these serious hunters, you know, if you're on your dream again, you know, you're on your dream hound out West and three inches, if that helps you get a better, a better bowl, or you're able to make a better shot, you know, at the end of the day, that's worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, you know, the, ultimately the rod, like total archery challenges, a lot of those, those new tournaments that are popping up, you know, your Reinhardt's, your, your ASAs that, you're getting these casual hunters that are coming in and, and really getting into the sport. I think that's where you're seeing the growth of the longer stabilizers is your casual hunter now is, is shooting more and he's shooting in a competitive environment, which in the past it was, 
you know, he's out behind his house or he, he's out with his buddies a couple of times a year. So you're seeing, you know, guys like you that, you know, are primarily, you know, Pennsylvania hunters. And now you guys are going shooting solar archery challenges and there's a little bit more of a competitive nature to that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fun stuff. Well, uh, you were talking about like how the hunting world over the last year, year and a half has like changed and it's adapting to like what you are doing. You know, when you think about, you know, for example, the, the Vantage stabilizer, you come out with the whole brand new design from what you were, what you used to, uh, sell and you have the, the, the vibration, uh, piece there in the middle and you could adjust that like to wherever you see fit. Um, you know, what are some of the key components that you are looking at and seeing as trends that hunters want? Because like how you were saying, and Dimitri was just saying about, you look at even the Matthews riser, that thing is, you know, uh, the longest riser, uh, in, in all these bows because they, they're promoting it just like, it's just like in a target archery. So it's going to be, uh, you know, wanting to hold really well and, and that type of stuff. So what are you seeing and, and trying to come out with and stay ahead of the curve with some of your products and in, in the hunting, uh, compared to, uh, like what's, what else has been going on? I mean, on the, on the stabilizer side, it's, it's a pretty easy market to get into. You know, if you have a halfway decent machine shop and you have a source of carbon, you know, you can make a stabilizer. So it's, it's extremely crowded in that respect and especially at the lower price points it's incredibly crowded you know you a lot of brands it's it's coming straight from mexico into utah and it's being sold or you know it's coming from asia and being sold and it's it's a crowded space and so i think you can kind of approach it two ways you can you can try to beat people on price and you can try to make a product that that shooters are going to actually going to want because it's going to be cheaper you can really go and try to make a, a kick-ass product that that works really well. And that's, and that's kind of where we come in, you know, it's, it's quality over quantity is, is kind of our approach. And that's where we try to stay ahead is in a crowded marketplace. You either have to have the best price or you have to have the best product. And so we try to go after the product and on the vantage, what you're getting is our rev X is our, our top of the line target bar. And, you know, that's what our Olympic guys are using. It's what our top of the line compound guys are using. And we were able to take a, a similar carbon and compress that, so it's our, our carbon is internally tapered. And so what that means is instead of having to add an internal vibration, which most of our stabilizers have some sort of internal vibration vibration, what we're able to do on the vantage is we could take an internally tapered carbon. So that carbon inside gets, it goes from, you know, that ID is smaller and it gets larger. Um, and that in effect had the same anti-vibration properties that internal dampening would have, you know, anytime you're compressing something from like 36 inches down to nine, you know, you can kind of do more with less. Um, and so for us, it's, you know, our carbon's more expensive, you know, each one of those is its own mold and we use a local dipper down in North Carolina. So it's a really high quality finish on any of those. Um, and then like you mentioned earlier, it's that the added step, you know, that, that high low S that slides up and down and then the threaded high low T it's, you know, most stabilizers aren't going to come with that much adaptability and that much vibration dampening in such a small package. Um, and, and ultimately, like I mentioned, you know, it's adjustment. It's it's being able to add and take off weights and do everything. So it's it's taking a really high-end target bar and trying to compress that down into a small package that hunters can use. Well, that's what I, I know for myself. I, I've went a little bit longer than I normally do uh, with my previous bow and I had went with a 10 inch and it was a uh, quick disconnect. But then with my new bow, when I went to your stabilizer, I went with the nine inch, but then I also, the feature I did love is your, uh, swivel disconnect just for the fact is disconnecting it with a longer bar was, was always great to be able to fit it into your case. It, it was kind of a pain of every time you're going out to shoot or you're throwing that in and hunting, you're, you're taking it out and you still got to put it back on. But with that swivel disconnect, it, you know, I thought that was huge that, you know, one, you can just kind of twist and, and move that up without actually taking it off and then then two you can actually use it to kind of carry your bow if you want or if you're going into the woods i know up on the mountain where where we hunt is you know we're going through a lot of thickets and and a lot of that uh brushy need a waist high uh material that you know that bar can definitely catch on and, and so having that and being able to move that without taking it off i thought was a was a huge advantage and i'm really excited to use that this year yeah, that's, that's great to hear. Yeah. That the pivot swivel disconnect is the, 
I think that's a really good example of of what we make. You know, it's it's something we came out with and five or six hundred of them. And I honestly thought we'd probably be scrapping them in a couple of years. You know, it was something <laughs> we had a few guys asking for. And it's we've always made products that interest us or that, you know, a small amount of people are asking for, but we think it's pretty cool. And there's there's a hole in the market, you know, nobody really was making anything like that. Uh and we we used to make one years and years ago, it was a little bit bulkier. But um People, I don't know how it, the whole, I mean, our whole hunting side, like I mentioned earlier in the last like 16 months was really blown up, but that, you know, it, that thing blew out of the water. We ran out of those in the first couple of weeks after we made them. And, uh, as you know, when people figure out what they can do, it's, it's a pretty cool, unique product. It's a really good kind of representation of what we make in general. It's, it's simple in a lot of ways, but if you, if you use it in the right way, it's, it really can make a difference. No, I love it. Yeah, that's right. And, and Jeremy and I both had trouble kind of ordering when we were trying to jump yeah. on our stabilizers. But I mean, I got to give you guys credit. You did a great job of, you know, constantly restocking a lot of your stabilizers. And, you know, when they come available, you just got to jump on it and, and, and go with it. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, I think stock for a lot of companies, you know, across a lot of industries has been tough in the last year. Um, our, our big issue is it's the one ounce weights, which always surprises people. The little black weights <laughs> that come with the bar, if you get the be real ones, it's the yellow ones. It's keeping those in stock and our powder coat are keeping up. It's, uh, you know, what we forecasted, we were, pro- we were probably five or six times past that now. So it's, it's just been crazy trying to keep up with that. And uh, we can't put our finger on, you know, the one thing that really change the needle with that, but it's, it's been fun and we're trying to keep everybody supplied. You know, it's a delicate balance of, uh, keeping dealers in stock and keeping retail customers in stock and keeping all our distributors in stock. So it's, uh, it's a, it's a battle. It's we're at the, uh, we're at the end we got two or three machines running weights and everything else now. So we stock should be good moving forward. Hopefully. What, what are some of the other works that hunters or shooters are looking for that are going to be helped to them by some of your products? Yeah. I mean, I think in general, just like reliability is, is number one. Um, whether you're in the finals of a tournament or you're like four miles out of the back country, if, if something breaks, you know, that's that's the worst thing that can possibly happen. Um, so ultimately you want, you want the equipment to, to work well and to not have issues with it. So at some point, you know, you're breaking everything down you don't ever want to overcomplicate things. And I, I think there's a few big companies that are doing a really good job with that. And, and in some ways they're like taking a step back and maybe making a more like simplistic platform, but it, it works better. You know, it reduces vibration and it, it works shot after shot. And we kind of take the same approach to a lot of the products and anytime you're able to combine. So like with, when you combine like the Atlas with any of our stabilizers, the Atlas comes with that anti-walkout washer. So I, I can't put my finger on exactly why, but sometimes when you put um, like a, a a rear stabilizer on a V-bar and you shoot over and over and over again, that barrel nut just wants to walk up a little bit. So the barrel nut will actually like poke out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just get extra vibration. And so we built a recess pocket like into that Atlas and then you put this little anti-walkout washer onto the stabilizer. And so that stabilizer has to stay seated in there. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's something that's pretty cool on the Alice too, that, that anti drop stopper shelf, which is just a, you get a flat wall so you can run it straight up against the riser. So over time, the more you shoot every, every bow, you know, I think Matthews does such an incredible job making a platform and prime does a great job too, making a platform that really you have minimal vibration with, but ultimately there's still going to be some vibration regardless of what's in the bow. Right. So if, if you can make, and you know, that vibration does a lot of things. It affects the shot, it affects the archer, and it also affects the equipment. So if it's going to vibrate a lot, your pins are going to move, screws are going to come loose. And so to have equipment that can stand up to that and to minimize all that sort of thing. So when we look at it, it's, it's, you want, I think reliability is number one. So you want to eliminate vibration and make a great product, but you also want that product to work time and time and time again. Um, so that's, that's kind of like the constant balance is you can make things that are awesome and you can kind of go out on these different, different avenues. But if reliability is a concern, you kind of got to scale it back sometimes and make sure it's going to work for everybody in every situation. Now, do you feel a lot of pressure, you know, especially being a product in the hunting industry, just because, you know, I feel like, especially with the bows is, is probably the, the biggest example of this is, is constantly coming out with the the next best thing everyone's looking for what the new bow is going to be for all these different companies now with 
components of of our tree do you feel that same pressure of constantly having to come out with new products you know what maybe not every year to year but consistently uh because i feel like in the hunting industry everyone's looking for the the next greatest thing that's out there that's going to help them out and so i feel like some of these companies have to have such quick turnover on a lot of their products just to make the the consumer and the archers happy do you feel that kind of when you're developing new new ideas and new things yeah we definitely do you know the the boat companies have it the worst you know there's this massive expectation that every year there should be something radically different which uh you know it's not realistic you look at you look at bow lead times this year um i mean you look at bow lead times anywhere and a lot of that is there's there's a complete product turnover you know your your big bow manufacturers are expected to have have new forgings and new risers every year and it's you know it's it's tough i'm glad we're not in that boat and our our benefit is with how diverse our product line is it's we're where you're able to move in a couple of different directions kind of simultaneously, you know, we always have 20 or 30 projects that our engineers are working on. Um, and it's a lot of our R and D is centered around machine time. So what we come out with next year, you know, we can't come out with two scopes because they share a lot of the same machines. So, you know, when we come out with a new scope, you have scope body pins, ring systems, four or five different sunshades, different colors. So we just, we're limited in our R and D by our machine time. You know, we're, we're lucky that we have a really high demand for our products. And so we have to make sure we spread that around. Um, we, we, I think there's a, there's a couple of companies on the accessory side that do a good job is, is not bowing to that consumer pressure to have something there every year. You know, we're big believers and if it's not better, there's no point to make it. So, you know, people always want us to make different things, but if, if we're going to come out with the same product that Joe has, you know, there's no point coming out with it because there's no reason to other than, selling a couple of them so if we can't make something better you know we're not gonna throw something out there just to say we did um we we definitely use finish finishes for us is like a big thing so you know the vantage launched and we had the that od green which is like matthew's ambush green and we had a, a tan and then uh we had a gray which is pretty similar to their gray too and we definitely held some finish options back in reserve because that's a relatively easy thing for us to roll out you know a year or 16 months later um so, you know, you're always kind of trying to play that game where you want to make an awesome product and you want to have it chock full of all the features that you can, but you're also kind of thinking like, Hey, you know, next year, or the year after that, you know, is there an expectation for us to come out with something else? Um, we've, we've been trying the last couple of years to get on a really good cycle of, we launched our new target stuff in January, new hunting stuff in August. And we've, we've never been able to hit that. We're always a little bit behind, <laughs> but, um, we're looking a little bit better this year and, and hopefully we continue to do that. I like that. Now, you know, we talked about products and, and how those really benefit you as a shooter. Now, can you talk about, especially being someone that's been into the more of the target growing up? And so, you know, you probably have a lot more uh, suggestions and advice to people to be how more accurate while you're shooting. So, you know, maybe the first question I'd ask you is what do you think is the biggest mistake most archers uh, make while they're shooting that anywhere from you could talk anything from grip or anchoring points? What technique wise is a lot of people missing? I kind of touched on it earlier. I, I think a huge thing is like imitation to the point of failure. So I think a lot of people they're, they're told they have to do it one way and they just, they try to force it. And I mean, you look at some of the most successful archers and if, if you took a, a really good archery coach, he's going to maybe look at their form or look at something they do and say, you know, that's not at all the way to do it, but whatever works works. Yeah. I think, um, ultimately, if, you know, if you're doing something that every coach says you shouldn't, but you're shooting great scores, you know, I, I think that's what you should do. Um, my, my biggest piece of advice is, is always to do what works for you and to keep it simple. So, um, you know, start with a, a pretty simple product. Don't, you know, don't go spend thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, you can shoot good scores with, with product at a, a basic price point and you can kind of grow with the product as you become a better archer. Um, you know, there's, there's a thousand different suggestions for like how to start or what to do, but I think to do what works well for you, um, and what you're comfortable with and, you know, absolutely coaches and dealers they know what they're doing and to take their suggestion and to try to start with what they say but if something's working for you it it works so you know don't give up on it just because some guy on youtube tells you that you should do it differently 
Well, that's what I even, I think the, the biggest mistake maybe that I make is exactly what you said is do what's best for you. But I think that what people have trouble with is, is creating that constant uh, repetition of doing the same thing each time. You know, I, th- I think that's, you know, what people mistakenly do most time, you know, whether you're in your backyard or if you're a target archer is, is do the same thing every time that you shoot. And I think a lot of, you know, target archers are pretty good at that. You know, I've kind of followed, you know, target archery a little bit more than I did in the past. I've never done it myself, but I, I've kind of watched some videos and, and, you know, the Vegas shoot, a lot of that stuff's online now that you can kind of watch and, and really learn from seeing some of these guys of how they shoot just because they're so good at doing the exact same thing every time they draw and shoot that bow, which, which makes a them shooting those high scores consistently. And I think a lot of the hunting industry, well, not industry, but the hunter hunters, um, that side of things, forget that a little bit and, and, and kind of just shoot to make, you know, good shot. But, you know, and, and when I'm out there practicing, I really try to break down each component of the shot. That way each time it's the same, uh, you know, from, from the draw to the, you know, releasing, uh, that trigger on the release, uh, to make that good shot. Yeah. You know, good, good archers typically had, had good coaching early on. So, you know, there's a reason that archery shops exist and that archery coaches exist. And there is a reason that a lot of that advice is good. You know, if, if you start off with bad habits, the habits are going to continue. So, you know, to go to your archery shop and if you're going to buy your bow from them, you know, to get instruction from them, if, if you start off on the right foot, it's, it's, it's like any sport, right? Like nobody really picks something up and then you just kind of do it. And naturally you, you're great at it. You know, there's, there's a huge learning curve and the, especially in archery, just, you know, you can get a soccer ball and go kick around the backyard and get pretty good. And in archery, the, the equipment plays such a, a hu- it's a huge part of, of every archer's success is the equipment. Um, and whether it's, you know, it's used equipment or brand new equipment or expensive equipment or cheap equipment, it's, if the equipment doesn't work for you and there's professionals that sell the equipment and service it for a reason. And so, you know, to get good coaching and to get equipment that works for an archer, I think it's extremely important. I couldn't agree more about trying to continue to do what works for you. I, like, I personally fell into that a couple of years ago. I, you know, was, I, and I, I know it's, it's fantastic that people put a lot of information out there of like coaching or free coaching and demonstrating things like, but I was, doing really well for myself, like shooting the one way. And I was like, ah, I want to try something different. Like trying to, you know, maybe move on. I guess that's what I thought in my head. Like that's the next step up is I had to maybe use this other type of release or, you know, do just something different to follow that and try to emulate that. And it did, it did the total opposite for me. Like it played major mind games on me and you know i'm finally feeling really confident again in my approach and my shot and uh my ability to to perform when needed yeah man i i again i don't mean to echo what both of you just said but i think it is huge to you know if there's tweaks that you're able to make and someone like you said if you're working with someone like go for it and that's i'm not saying not to do that but uh like don't fix something if it's already working really good for for you yeah i think re- releases is like a, a a deep deep rabbit hole that you probably <laughs> do like 30 podcasts on and never really get to the bottom of anything it's i mean you you see guys on on the hunting side on the target side you know coming and going it's going to a bag tension because somebody else is trying it and then yeah. going back it's a lot of that's a mental thing and you know that that can just radically change your entire output on the sport Oh, big time. I mean, it could just totally not want you want, make you want to shoot anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I've definitely seen a, my fair share of that. What have, like, what have you seen more so, uh, lately or like in the beginning, like what, like, what are you seeing right now? Not to, you know, kind of go rabbit hole-ish, but like, let's kind of do it. Like what, what are you seeing people using now? Uh, it, it's hard to, I mean, ultimately what you're seeing people using is what like the top pros are, are using. So, you know, if you called like Rio wild today and you're like, Hey Rio, what are you shooting? And then you pulled the general consumer, like target audience, you're probably seeing something similar, yeah. you know, on the hunting, on the hunting side, it's what's John Dudley or Cameron Haynes using. It's, it, you know, you can look at like four or five people and then probably get what 80% of the, the markets in the industry in general is using. So 
I think that's, that's a huge play in it. I think there's a reason release companies do well as guys are always bouncing back and forth, you know? Yeah. In in the target world, you see it, you know, there's guys, everybody says he's punching, he's never going to be able to do anything. And then he goes off on a tear and wins a lot of tournaments. Um, a release I think can affect an archer more than like almost any other piece of equipment, you know, you, any bow you can put on the good guy's hands and he's going to shoot it pretty well. It's, it's the release that, that makes a huge role of difference. And just because so much of it's mental, you know, if, yep. if the release doesn't feel good, if you feel like it's not pulling at the right time, it's not releasing, you know, it's a release is it plays directly into the mind games that plague a lot of archers. Oh, big time. Well, that's what I, I even think with some of these people that, that are, would you say influencers or bigger in the hunting industry is kind of a dangerous game for a lot of these new hunters, or maybe they're new to archery. Um, they don't even have to be hunters or maybe they just want to get into target shooting just because some of these techniques are, you know, like, like the hinge release, you know, for a new hunter to kind of think, Oh, that's what I need to use if I want to be a good archer and then pick that up and, and start using that right off the bat. I mean, they could have a lot of issues and complications with that and maybe get frustrated, um, really quick with that. And so I think, you know, if you didn't have a mentor and you're just looking online of all, you know, this Dudley or Cameron Haynes is drawing 80, 90 pound bows, you know, maybe I need to do that too, if I want to be a good archer. So I think, you know, it can be good in some ways. And I think it also can be dangerous in other ways, especially for these new hunters that might not know, you know, the difference and, and kind of be able to, uh, look and analyze each option of what they have and see which one best fits them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, your, your top influencers have a huge impact on the sport. They, they draw a lot of people in, um, you know, one metric that stirred around constantly from the ATA and things like that is retention. So, you know, the guy that goes and buys a bow, it's, it's great for the manufacturers that he gets a bow from or whoever's equipment he puts on his bow. But, you know, is he still shooting in like three months or does he buy what John Dudley's shooting and quickly figured out that John's got 25 years or 30 years or 40 years of experience. And this guy's got like six days and he <laughs> gives up after a week cause it's too hard. Yeah. Um, so there, there's definitely, there's a huge learning curve, um, in, in getting set up. And I think as a manufacturer, you know, a big responsibility we have is, um, to, to sell equipment and to, to provide advice for, for beginning archers. You know, that's what we talk to more than anything is guys just getting into the sport and it's, it's, it's making sure that you don't necessarily sell them. You know, they don't need our $250 lens Our our you know, Zeiss $120 lens is going to work fine for them. Um, and it's making sure you, you sell them products that are going to work and it's going to keep them like interested and excited about the sport. Heck yeah, man. What's, what are, uh, what are you shooting? Like what's your setup? I got, uh, I'm lucky in that, uh, we, we get a, we buy a fair amount of those, you know, we're always getting those domestic <laughs> stuff and, uh, it just so happens that, and we either at the end, we either give them an employee or sell them or do something with them. Um, it just so happens that, and we saw, so I always just buy whatever's selling best for both companies. And it, it happens that my draw length and everything happens to be like exactly what we buy every single time. It's funny how that works. Um, <laughs> so I have a, I have a VXR. There's a prevail I got floating around. That's actually taken apart right now for some demo stuff we've been doing. Um, I've, I've still got it. E35, one of those elites from a, uh, it's probably been like six years now. Um, we, we got bows all over the place. <laughs> Any, anytime we like interview somebody or a new employee starts, they're always like, they go upstairs to the range and they see all the product and they're always pretty stoked. <laughs> um, it's, we, we take, we have this, uh, like we call it the scratch and dent. It's a huge toolbox with, with all these drawers and it's all organized and the, you know, you have stabilizers and disconnects and weights and all that. And, anybody can come in there that works for us and just like pull it out and they can just go try it and shoot it. And we have a, we have a new guy that starts on Monday. That's going to be running our dealer accounts. And he saw that drawer when he was interviewing and, um, he looked like a five-year-old on Christmas morning, seeing everything that he can try. And so, uh, we're, we're always messing with stuff. It's a lot of fun to, to kind of get your hands on everything and, and to shoot a little bit. Well, that's what I was going to say. When you said you were short-staffed and you had this indoor range at work that you could go shoot, I said, how could you not get employees when you show them that range? <laughs> I think people would be like, I'll take the job right there. Yeah, no, we've been uh, – it, It's we're short-staffed from growth is the problem. You know, we uh, – with 
COVID hit and we were, we were, we've always, we've never been like down. Right. So shrewd, shrewd's relatively young and relatively small in, in the big scheme of things. And in the last couple of years, we've just seen like really tremendous growth and, and trying to scale to match that has, has been really tough. We're, the damage company in general, it's, it's really awesome. So, you know, we kind of touched on my grandfather. He was, again, he was like 97 or 98 and, um, you know, he'd been working there for forever. And, uh, our, our average employee, the only reason this number is not higher is we have a lot of new guys, but you know, our average employee has been there. Uh, I think we're at 19 years is our average right now. We have a couple of guys that have been there more than 40 years. So we just, we have very little turnover. We, we don't do part-time. Um, if we hire somebody, if, if we do part-time, it's like, we just had a guy that, he's been working for us for a year and a half cause he's been in school and he, he started full time this Monday. Um, so, you know, if we hire somebody, we, we want them to be a part of the Damon family and typically they stick around. Um, so our, our issue with labor is we're, we're pretty particular about who comes and works with us. It's, it's a representation of the company and it's a representation of our family. And, um, so it's, it's been all hands on deck. I, uh, if my mom, Damon is, uh, they're on the road a lot. And when they're back in town, normally she, she comes in in the afternoons and does office stuff. Pretty much. She, she handles any of my dad's paperwork that he doesn't want to do. Um, but, but she's been building. So she's been in the assembly room building stuff, uh, throughout COVID while they've been home. Cause they're not traveling. So, uh, it's, it's all hands on deck. Newsom's are, are building stuff and shipping orders and emailing people. It's, uh, it's good. I mean, you get a much better idea of, of what people want and kind of where the industry is and how the products are doing. So, uh, in a lot of ways it's been fun. The, uh, the stress and kind of overwhelming feeling of it all has, it's made us all better, but we finally got, we got three, three or four new people starting in, in like a week and a half span. So, uh, we'll be back up to full strength and should be ready to roll. Nice. Now, uh, where, where are you more, uh, involved in? Are you more involved with target or on the hunting side? Like what do you do more personally? And, and, uh, and we could kind of pick uh pick at you from there. Yeah, it's I don't from a work perspective, it's kind of tough to differentiate. Um everybody in a small company wears a lot of hats. So I do um so I, I do like day to day at Damon and Shrewd. So it's and we separate just like when we talk to people, but in general, you know, it's all the same. Our machinist or everybody's a Damon Co employee, but you know, all we run in our machine shop now is shoot our true product. So we have like a metal stamping tag division, but so everybody's like a Damon employee. And, um, so I, I handle all our, our marketing, all our staff, um, and all our dealer and distributor accounts and, and, and any sort of like creator we work with. So we work with like Chris B or capture creative or anything like that, you know, that all kind of flows through me. So I do a lot of both. So, you know, our staff's primarily targeted, but then our creators or content creators or influencers, however you want to word it, is typically hunting. Um, so from a work, it just kind of depends on the day and depends on the season. This time of year, it's pretty target-centric just with the tournaments going on. And August, September, October, November, where our primary focus is hunting. And, you know, that's kind of where all our minds are. Um, and personally, it kind of works the same way. You know, right now, I'm, right now I've, my BXR is what I shoot pretty much. That's all I shoot. If I'm being honest, uh, it's a it's a killer bow. Um, but uh, we got a my Rye, my brother's got a he's got a couple of primes and they're awesome. They're awesome shoot bows. I've been messing with his a little bit too. Um, but it's it's mostly target just because you can run upstairs, you can shoot the range. Uh, you know, if you got ten minutes and you can only get a couple of rounds in, it makes it pretty easy. And then uh, we have a we have a family friend that in Tennessee, and we get down there and and get in the stand once or twice in the fall. But on the hunting side, that's, that's really all we used to do. My rally and I used to, uh, in the spring, we used to go turkey hunting. There's public land on the way to work from mom and dad's house when we were living there. And so we'd swing by there at like 4 a.m. and get camped out and try to shoot some turkeys. And we'd roll in the woods all, or roll in the work all camoed up and everything. It was pretty entertaining. Um, but we just been busy and haven't had a chance. So, yeah, it depends on the season really with what's going on. Now, and it looks like we're going to have ATA coming up next year too. So yeah. I'm sure you guys are pretty excited about that announcement. Yeah, that's, it's, uh, once we get there and we're set up, we're always super pumped to be there. <laughs> if I'm being honest, like being like this year, not having ATA was, was so awesome. Um, just you roll out of, you know, we come back from break and normally it's, it's all hands on deck. It's, we rent 
like the biggest Penske truck that we can possibly get. Um, and it's just pallet after pallet after pallet. And you got two full days of setup, a day and a half to tear down. Uh, you know, we're bringing eight or nine guys from the factory. So it's just logistically, it's a lot of work. Um, and, but it's, you know, again, once we're set up and we're there, it's awesome. You know, there's, there's not a better week of the year than ATA week. Um, the, our issue is it's being a, a pretty target centric company. It's, it's the beginning of target season. And so yeah. we normally, um, a fair amount of the time, depending on where ATA is, we're, we're tearing down the booth and then a couple of us are flying. So there's a big tournament in France the weekend after that. So most of the time we're heading straight from there over to Nîmes. And then we, we bounce back and, uh, Lancaster has a big tournament the weekend right after that. So a lot of times we end up flying into Philly and then you're going to Lancaster. Um, and then sometimes we get a week break and then you got Vegas and yeah. Vegas is, we ship pr- half our ATA booth at the Vegas. So a lot of times actually the Penske truck gets back to work and there's a container there waiting and a lot of the pallets get loaded and all that goes out to Vegas. So it's, a uh, and then the, the trailer has got to be in Alabama. So a lot of times the trailer crew actually drives Alabama and then they fly to Vegas. So it's, it's just this like logistical like circus to try to make sure you got like, we have uh, all our displays. We have like four traveling displays and they're all in big, Pel- like, huge Pelican cases. Um, so like, you know, all that's just being shipped all over the place. And we finally just, we leave two in Europe. We have two just stationed over there, just get shipped around. Um, so it's, it's an awesome time of the year. It's also like, it's sometimes, you, you know, you you kind of wake up and you forget what time zone or city or even country you're in, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, that's what I was even curious, especially uh, after COVID and not having the ATA last year and and some of these other shows, like we have the Harrisburg show uh, here in Pennsylvania. I was just, you know, with you saying how there's all this chaos of of going to these shows and and shipping all this stuff here and then trying to get there. You know, I wondered after, you know, COVID and we could kind of return to these things if, if, a lot of companies would still find it beneficial, like where their where their sales just as good when they didn't go to ATA, so they saved money on buying a booth and and do, setting up and right. and having employees go go to these, um, or if they would say, you know, we didn't find the value because we sold just as much product, not going to them, so you know why should we uh, do it the next year? Any thought on that? The, yeah, I mean, if, if you talk to anybody that makes a good product, they're having a great year and it's tough to say in last year was, was great for most companies too. And so it's tough to say, you know, if there was an in-person ATA, would it be even better that, you know, your expense behind ATA, you know, your boat companies, they're running good six figures to be there. And the, the boat companies ultimately, ultimately are going to drive what everybody else does. So, you know, you can kind of Matthews pulled out a couple years ago on their back. I think if Matthews pulls out again, that could change a lot of things. Um, you know, we got our ATA signup packet the other day and pretty early on the packet is talking about the whole ATA works on points in terms of like when you can pick your booth. So if you've been going for the more years you've been going and the bigger booth you have, the earlier you get to pick in the selection process. Um, it's like, it's the incentive to keep going, right? ATA, like they, they kind of trap you in, like if we backed out this year, then we pick last and we get some junky booth. Um, and like early on in the packets talking about if you reduce your boost by this amount, then, you know, you lose this many points for next year. And it's, it's definitely something that's, you know, we weekly, you know, we're on calls weekly and everybody's like, you going to ATA or you going to ATA and everybody's answer is, yeah, you know, we always want to be there, but, um, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting for us this year with no ATA. We opened our show specials a week earlier. So instead of running for three or four days at ATA, we had them open for 14 days. Um, we had calls with, you know, most of our major dealers and we had a lot of one-on-one conversations for 30 or 45 minutes for ATA. You know, if you get like 10 or 15, you're doing pretty well. Um, with COVID, we couldn't travel, but you know, we, so we have like a trailer and then we have a, uh, big Ford transit van that's all kitted out ready to sell. Um, and so we were going to actually send that and do like a big kind of dealer tour. And so, you know, there's always a debate. Everybody's looking the best way to get your products in front of the dealer and whether that's ATA or, you know, taking the time, if you have somebody on the road for like four straight weeks, but they can see all your major dealers, you know, at what point is it a better, a better thing for you? So, um, you know, we'll, as long as there's an ATA show, we'll support it. 
Um, but ultimately, you know, everything's driven by dollar. So if boat companies are pulling out and there's going to be less dealers there, I think you got to take a look at that. Yeah. And I think too, like how you're saying this past year, man, like, like the golf industry exploded. Uh, there's more rounds played in golf ever, like in the, the last 10 years, I think like you were just saying right now to get a bow and whether it's because of material or whatnot, I mean, a lot of people are buying bows. A lot of are like, it, I think the hunting industry, uh, and just, you know, archery industry in general, like had a nice jump in stuff this past year. I think, you know, obviously stimulus checks probably played a role in, in that type of stuff, but, uh, I don't think anybody was necessarily hurting. Like you said, that makes a good product because, you know, you were just talking about earlier, like you go off of, you know, it, it, everything is, is the quality and, uh, you know, it's going to speak for yourself. It's reliable. And if somebody has, is known for making a good product, you're going to go out there and support it. If it's something you're interested in buying. Yeah, that's the goal. You know, it's, yeah. it's always, a, whether they buy our product or whether they buy somebody else's product, you know, you always want everybody to enjoy what they're doing. There's, there's nothing more frustrating than being frustrated by the equipment or having stuff fail on you. So, um, we, we approach everything, you know, our customer service guys, you know, they'll turn to me and they'll be like, how do I handle the situation? I'm like, if you're the customer, how do you want to handle it? And that, and that's kind of how we approach it. You know, if a product really like Joe says he didn't drive over his bow and snap a stabilizer, but you know, he's really mad about it. He's got a tournament tomorrow. Then, you know, we'd like to be able to help him because in the big scheme of things, you know, it's, it's the least that we can do. So, uh, making a good product and standing behind it. That's, that's the end goal. I think every day for us. Awesome, man. Well, what, uh, what do you have coming up, uh, you know, either personal for this year or even from shrewd coming up for, for this next, uh, uh, 2021 slash 22. Our big thing, we had a, we had a long meeting with our anodizer this morning is, uh, we have Patriot month coming up in July, which started as this thing for us a couple of years ago where we had, um, we, we had some spare parts laying around and so we got them anodized and like blue and red and lasered some cool stuff on them. And, um, we get, we get 15% of all our sales to this, this really awesome veterans organization. Sweet. Um, and it's, it's like blown up and it's become this big thing for us. And there's a lot of our, you know, our biggest expectation annually now almost isn't like what's new, but it's like what's new for Patriot month. And <laughs> we, we take, we, we take existing products and we, we anodize them or dip them or do something really cool with them. And, and come out with different versions and they're only available during Patriot month. And so we have that coming up in July. And so that's our kind of our, our primary focus right now is trying to get everything dialed in from that. And then August we launched new hunting products, December, the plan is some new target stuff. Um, and then just kind of rolling into next year, you know, we're at this point in the year, it's, we got one eye on 2021 and we got a lot of focus on 2022. Um, and, the big thing beside Patriot Month for us, it's an Olymp last year was supposed to be an Olympic year and this year is an Olympic year. Being a target company, the Olympics are huge. Yeah. Um, and so if you know, if everything goes right in Tokyo, you know, hopefully Brady and a couple of those guys are standing on podiums with shoot stuff on NBC. So if that would happen, that'd be awesome. You know, just to see Americans up there would be sweet. Um, and you know, we got archers around the world that use our stuff and we always root for them as well. But uh yeah, Patriot Month and the Olympics, if both of those go well, we'll be we'll be in a good spot. Awesome, man, dude. I, I, this is awesome. It's so cool to just talk shop with someone that's been doing this and it's part of their family for so long. So, uh, man, it's a pretty cool, uh, way to wrap things up and you know, where could people learn more about shrewd archery and, and follow along and see what's going on. Yes. Yeah, Shrewdarchery.com is, is always our primary suggestion. You know, we, uh, we try to keep any, any question archers have, if we can answer it, we try to do in the product listings, uh, our YouTube channel, everything is just kind of at shoot archery. If you go across the handle game, um, YouTube, we have really good instructional videos. Our products in general are kind of complicated. So archery in general is, so we try to answer questions there, Facebook, Instagram, any, anywhere that you're going to be on your phone when you're trying to kill time just do that shoot archery and you'll probably find us. Nice. And I'll, I'll give you guys a shameless plug. Like I, I think you guys, create some awesome like clothing gear <laughs> like the stuff that you guys have is, is pretty awesome and uh hey man i appreciate you taking the time and you know get have some people go see what shrewd archery is all about and uh american made and like i said just family owned and guys doing it down in virginia so i appreciate it man so thanks for listening everybody until next time antler up
And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thank you, Laban, for coming on. Check out Shrewd Archery, what they have going on. Until next time, shoot straight, have fun with some family, have some fun in the outdoors. See you at TAC. Antler Up.